Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you're locked on to Moving Up the Ladder, a part of localjobnetwork.com radio. Now, on Moving Up the Ladder, we're here to bring you experienced professionals with insight into improving your career or business. Now, that may include some differences in the way business is handled, including sales in general. Now, our guest for this episode has some thoughts on the necessary changes that the world of sales needs to make in a book called Duct Tape Selling, Think Like a Marketer, Sell Like a Superstar. Now, the author is John Jantz. He's a marketing consultant and speaker, as well as the founder of the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. John, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim, and uh, really looking forward to sharing some thoughts with your community. Well, I think the first question that pops in everyone's mind right away and uh, might throw them for a loop at first is the term duct tape selling. You're not literally selling duct tape, as some of our guests hopefully uh, <laughs> you know, don't think that's what's going on here. But wh- why that term? Where did it come from? Give us some background on that. Well, sure. So it's, it's actually uh, uh, the second sort of in a franchise, I suppose, of books. Uh, my first book uh, that I wrote in 2006 was called Duct Tape Marketing. And the title actually sprung from really my conclusion that what the world needed, what I actually needed, <laughs> was a, a very systematic approach to small business marketing where I'd grown a little bit frustrated. Uh, even though I love working with small business owners, I'd grown a little frustrated in that uh, working with them in the traditional marketing consulting sense was, you know, they had the same needs and challenges, but not always the same budgets or, or right. attention spans. And, and so I decided I was going to create this system where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results we hope we can expect. And by the way, here's what it's going to cost. You want it or not? And what I found was pretty interesting was that I thought I was solving my greatest frustration. Turns out I was solving theirs as well. Buying marketing services in the typical small business is actually rather difficult because the large agencies don't want anything to do with you. And, and so you're left with a freelancer here, a PR person here, a graphic designer there that, that's helping you put together your marketing. So this idea of somebody coming in saying, we're going to install a system was, was really uh, a breath of fresh air, really, for a lot of small business owners. And I thought at the time I, I needed to give it a name. I, I, my thinking was I was turning marketing service almost into a product. Mm-hmm. So I came up with the name Duct Tape Marketing because I had been a small business owner myself by that point in about 10 years. And it just seemed like the, the perfect metaphor for what it's like <laughs> in, in a lot of small business environments. Uh, simple, effective, affordable, practical, all those things that people relate to to duct tape itself. And then, of course, I've, I have taken a lot of advantage of the fact that uh, there's a strange affection for all things duct tape <laughs> oh, as <yeah>. well. <laughs> so when it came time to, to really, I've written actually a couple of books in between there, but when it came time to, to say, hey, I want to I really go back to this idea of marketing for the small mid-sized business, but I want to I come at it from uh, the sales angle because I think there's a lot to be said in that uh, changing world. On one hand, it was very natural for me to go back to the duct tape franchise. I've, uh, I have built a, a, fa- a significant amount of name recognition in that mm-hmm. related to my work. I think the, the metaphor really still applies as well, that it, selling has changed in a way that uh, I think salespeople have to be really practical. They have to be very useful. <laughs> they have to deliver value. And it's, it's not about just building personal relationships anymore. It's really about being uh, seen as somebody that uh, that we want to invite into our world and uh, that can give us a great experience. And I, and I think that, again, the, the duct tape metaphor, I think, really applies. Sure. The question that pops into my head with all of this is for yourself, having seen maybe this evolution a little bit, why has it changed? Why is there such a greater need for a change like you're talking about? And some terms that have been thrown out there with this is being able to attract and teach, convert. Yeah. Why that as opposed to just get the deal done and move on? 
Well, I think that the most significant thing that has changed, I mean, obviously, we, it's easy to say the art of uh, or the act of marketing and uh, the act of and the art of selling have changed. But really, what's driving all that change is that the act of buying has changed hmm. the way that we now as consumers and we're all you know, regardless if we're salespeople or, or, or entrepreneurs, we at some point buy stuff right. uh, as well. And so uh, the, now the way in which we do that is, is has changed dramatically. We we don't decide, gosh, I wish I had X and go to the uh, the phone book and call up a couple of people so they can send out their salespeople to tell us about their X, their version of X. And we do our own research now. We go online. We, we have access to really all the comparisons. We have access to all the data, all the specifications. We can see what your customers are saying about you and your products and services. We can see what your competitors are saying about you and your products and services. We can actually see people talking about the results they're getting. I mean, so we really now venture very far down that path to making a decision in most cases before we ever reach out and contact a company or even let them know that we're in the market. And so if, if you're the typical salesperson, I think the significance of that is that if you're waiting around for the marketing department to show up one day and say, hey, this, this lead has really uh, scored themselves very highly, you should go out and try to uh, call on them. There's a good chance that even if you can can get in the door, you're mm-hmm. there to deliver a lower price only. Hmm. And so uh, so I think that the, the biggest thing that I talk about in this book, and of course, the subtitle is Think Like a Marketer, sell like a superstar. And what my greatest suggestion is that salespeople today, and, and of course that includes entrepreneurs and business owners and marketers who all sell, that uh, today we have to get involved in the customer's journey when they just started having that inkling. I think I'm going to go out and look, are they finding us? Are they finding right. our content? Are they finding people talking about us so that they want to include us in their journey and their search? They want to let us guide them now from point A to point B to point C, maybe, maybe before we ever even start talking about, hey, we've got the perfect solution for you. Let us tell you about it. So a lot of what I'm hearing is you're looking at it almost from a, a backdoor type of angle as opposed to, you know, you think of the traditional salesman, you know, going up to the front door of somebody's actual house That's or right. knocking. And, and now you're looking at it from, you know, a very proactive sense. A couple of terms that I keep seeing in regards to what you're talking about is trust and expertise. Where do those come into play? How does that develop and how important is that with what you're talking about? Well, I think as I described, I mean, a, a lot of this idea that not only do we have that perfect information, I think we as buyers, we no longer really want to tolerate a bad sales experience or somebody that's you know pushing us to try to do something we don't want to do. I mm-hmm. mean, all the stereotypes that you think about as salespeople, we, you know, we now can lock that front door up tight and there's <laughs> just no access anymore. And so I think the ability for you to develop trust and actually for you to think of that as, as a primary selling function. Sure. Really the only way that you're now going to get invited to the dance. And and so I think that that part of it, and there are many, many ways of that. I mean, it's not not just, you know, it used to be you, uh, you built trust uh, by keeping your word. But obviously now uh, a great deal of that trust and reputation is built by what others are saying about you online and publishing about you online, what you're publishing and how you're able to demonstrate that you have a point of view that's worth listening to, that, that I not only read your blog post and, and listen to your podcast maybe as a, as a salesperson, but I'm also seeing you speaking at uh, the industry trade shows and mm-hmm. teaching at the industry trade shows. And I think all of those really go a long way towards raising your authority, but but certainly uh, conveying that, that you're somebody that other people trust. Maybe a little bit along those same lines, there's the term hourglass model. Can you walk us through what that is and, and the, the value in it? 
Yeah, so that's my that's my whole journey um, that I've been talking about, um, and I think a lot of people that, that that it borrows from the the sales and marketing funnel that so many people are familiar okay. with. That marketing puts out the message, puts out a bunch of content, and we're attracted to that, and uh, we want a salesperson to come out. Well, that salesperson is going to close the deal, send us down the road to service, and this very linear path to becoming a, a loyal customer. And and what I suggest in this book is that that path is no longer exists. It, hmm. It's a very crooked, curvy, <laughs> swerving path to how buyers make decisions. And, and a great deal of those touch points and ways that they get information now are actually out of our control. And so the idea behind this hourglass is that you start designing signposts and stories and processes and campaigns that are really intended to guide people down a more natural path. And there are seven stages in, in my hourglass and they are know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. And that, that every sales and marketing and service organization really needs to look at developing this perfect end-to-end customer journey right. that moves people down and through those stages. And, and of course, now we're opening up a big can of worms because <laughs> now what I'm suggesting is that sales and marketing and service have to actually all be on the same page. And how difficult is that? It's actually not difficult at all, okay. uh, but it's, it's made very difficult by a lot of organizations because of some deep ingrained cultural differences between sales and marketing. So many organizations, uh, marketing is there to generate leads and to keep uh, the brand and to put out the message and to make sure everybody's using the right font. <laughs> and sales <laughs> is quite often then said, hey, if you're getting good leads, go close them. If you're not, go generate your own leads and close them. And here's how we're going to measure you. We're going to measure you on closed deals and on dials and on you know, cold calls made and, and you know, other things that, that are in direct opposition really to what marketing should be doing. Right. And so what it's going to require in a lot of organizations, and I've been speaking about this all over the world now, to very large organizations of both marketing and sales oriented folks. And and you know, the consensus is that in a lot of organizations this is going to take a cultural shift. Salespeople are going to have to be measured differently. Uh, they're going to have to be more involved in marketing uh, than they are today. And, and whether this is individual salespeople or, or sales leadership, mm-hmm. but I think that that, uh, that shift has to go on. And you're seeing it in a lot of places, a lot of organizations now. And I wouldn't say it's as holistic as, as I suggest in this book, but you see a lot of organizations now offering training for social selling and for how to use content and how to connect in you know online communities. And so I, I think it is coming, but uh, instead of just being more training for the salespeople, I believe that it has to be a fully integrated extension of what marketing is doing as well. Sure. I wanted to ask about the role of social media. And, and I don't know if this really much applies to some of the stuff you've been talking about or how much that's brought up in any of the conversations you have. But for example, with our organization, we don't use social media as a way to really put things out there as far as selling. It's more resources, that sort of thing. Where do you fall on the line with utilizing you know, things like, of course, LinkedIn, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and any other social media platforms you want to talk about? Does that play a role here? Is it emphasized, de-emphasized? What's your overall take? I think it plays an, an extremely important role. In fact, I think every sales organization needs a major wake-up call. There, there's this this myth, in my opinion, that you can't sell using social media, mm-hmm. and I think it's flat 
the reason for that is because, no, you can't broadcast and, and expect to sell in social media. And I think for a lot of people, marketing has actually ruined social media uh, <laughs> because they have tried to turn it into another broadcast channel, another medium. But for the individual salesperson who gets it, it is an extremely powerful way for you to start building connections, for you to start building trust, for you to understand the buyer's world, for you to understand a, a prospect's needs in a way that, that makes you more or gives you at least the opportunity to be much more useful to them. And you see now superstar salespeople uh, that are out there using a tool like LinkedIn to find prospects. And then instead of just pitching them, find ways to, to actually add value to their, to answer their questions, to connect with them in, in the things that they're talking about or the interests that they have. But more importantly, they're also finding, they're using these tools to understand who influences that person, who they're connected to, who they report to, how to build stakeholder maps in entire organizations. And if that information doesn't sound valuable, then you're just not paying attention because it is absolutely the most powerful source of information uh, that, that you can find. And it makes you not only a better salesperson, it opens the doors for incredible opportunities, but not if your first thought. And, and, and what's so funny about this is, you know, cold calling doesn't work either. Well, so cold calling in social media or in social networks is certainly not going to work. Uh, so I, I don't know why people... Uh, have that uh, you know that that belief that selling in social media doesn't work. It doesn't work if you're doing it wrong, right? Uh, certainly, uh, but if you if you instead of thinking, oh, I need to get a thousand Twitter followers, if you instead are thinking, I'm going to put all my customers in lists and I'm going to see who they're connected to and who influences them and how I can help them and who else that I'm connected to, I could actually introduce them to. Just like any great networking relationship building. Uh, if you use the tools that way, you will you will definitely close business. I, I know salespeople that are getting eighty percent of their business by way of that type of connecting in social media. Wow, that's a, obviously a big number, and I like at near the end there you're talking about you know being able to break it down and not utilize it how as you said maybe the typical salesperson might use it, but uh, I think I, I think a lot of people appreciate that there is value in it if used appropriately. Uh, so hopefully that will help some of those listeners out there as well. I know you have a lot of folks that tune into your show uh, to get career advice as well. And so I wonder if I could just add one thing to that Sure. in that very specific vein. Because one of the first reactions that a lot of people have when they hear me say some of this is, this all makes sense, it's all great, but like, when and how am I going to do all this new <laughs> stuff? And so obviously, if you work for an organization that doesn't value that, that isn't teaching you to use these tools, that isn't measuring you based on your connections and things of that nature, then you have to make a career decision. Am I building and advancing my career as a salesperson by building this platform, by building this asset, by raising my authority and my expertise in social networks or in producing content? And, and I think a lot like people that go back and get an MBA at, at night, you know, while they're working their full-time job. I think, I think that they, they certainly do that to advance their careers. And I think that a lot of salespeople uh, sometimes don't think in terms of that same type of advancement. And, and I think that the act of blogging, learning how to blog, reading lots of content, learning how to work these social networks is an investment in yourself. And, and I think that that investment, uh, the good news is it will make you more valuable to your clients it will certainly make you more valuable to your company. And it, at some point in time, and I talk about this uh, a number of times uh, with different people in, in my book, Duct Tape Selling, at some point, somebody's going to see your authority and see that you're out there and see that uh, people are saying good things about you and they're going to want to hire you. 
And so that's the beauty of building this asset is, is in many cases, you get to take it with you. In a similar vein with the idea of being connected with social media, obviously, I found it interesting that one of the points mentioned is making referrals an automatic part of the sales process. What exactly is the role there? Because when I hear of referrals, I think, okay, you make a sale, but now you're, you're referring someone else. I mean, is that what you're talking about or is there a different way of thinking? No, I, th- I think that's absolutely what I'm talking about is hopefully somebody has such a great experience with you that they also want to tell other people about it. They also have other people in their network. Maybe you're working in a large organization. I mean, one of the sure. the practices that a lot of great salespeople do is is they, they find an advocate in an organization that really loves them. And that advocate starts building bridges to other departments, other people, other projects. And, and so it doesn't have to just be a, you know, go through your Rolodex and tell me about other companies, but it can, it can literally be internally uh, refer me to, uh, to some other folks. And, and I think that you always have to have that I, I like telling people to always have that mindset because if that is your mindset that, you know, I'm going to work with this customer, I'm going to make sure they get the results. I'm going to be an advocate for them with my company, you know, to make sure that those people over in service don't mess it up. I'm going to come back and make sure that, that they got the result and the outcome they were after because I want to go to every single one of them and say, let's talk about how we can get this result for somebody else. And I think if you start with that uh, mindset I think that it actually will, I mean, if, if you really do, or if you really are serious about it, uh, I think it will, uh, it, I, th- I think it does force you to actually do a better job on behalf of your customer. If you sure. know that you're going to come back to them and say, know anybody else you want to refer us to, well, you, you certainly, that customer certainly better be pretty happy. John, I really do appreciate your passion and your knowledge and really, uh, I said, a little different perspective than what people might be used to hearing. We are getting a little low on time here. So I wanted to give you the floor at the end, as we do with a lot of our guests, just to wrap it up a little bit, give us a summary, give us a point of emphasis for the listeners that you think is important that they would have as a nice takeaway from this conversation and something they could definitely uh, use as we wrap up uh, the show today. Well, I've given some pretty big picture ideas that, that in take entire chapters uh, to, to <laughs> right. really reveal in, in, in a book. And so uh, a lot of times what I, the, one of the pieces of advice I give people, because some of these ideas in this book are going to be new to salespeople. And what I tell them to do is, is the, the book is actually lined up in kind of chronological order. In other words, saying, you know, here, start here. This, this, if you're starting from zero, you know, here's the place to start. You don't have to think in terms of, okay, John tells me I need a blog and a podcast and you know I don't have time for all that. I mean, you can actually take the principle of using content and simply go out there and, and start reading other people's blogs and start sharing four or five nuggets that maybe you found that other people wrote about that, that happened to address something that you're, you and a prospect were just talking about in, in, a, in a meeting. And I think that just keeping your ears tuned and creating uh, what I call listening stations so that you can really know what's going on, you can be plugged in, you can see what your clients and, and uh, prospects are talking about is really the first step. You don't have to write a thousand words every day. You don't have to say anything on Twitter. Just get good at, at listening to using some of these tools to tune in and listen to all the content that's already being put out there. And then all of the all of the information that your your prospects and clients and and competitors and strategic partners are sharing. That's really step number one. And even if you just got better at that step, I think you would significantly increase your odds at doing more with your career and with uh, your current sales job. Well, I think that's a great way to uh, close it out here on this episode of Moving Up the Ladder. Once again, our expert guest today has been John Jantz. He's the author of Duct Tape Selling, Think Like a Marketer, Sell Like a Superstar. And John, where's the best place uh, people can go ahead and find that book? 
it is available through uh, pretty much any bookseller. There is a, uh, an ebook version, Kindle version. Uh, audiobook will be out uh, shortly, and uh, you can certainly find a lot more information about the book at ducttapeselling.com. All right, perfect. Well, John, thanks again for giving us this unique perspective on the sales world and you know what it might take to succeed nowadays, and uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Tim. And as always, if you, the listener, have any thoughts on this topic or you'd like to suggest a subject for us to cover, just email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com and tell us what you'd like to learn more about. You can also reach out to us via Twitter. Find us at the LJN, and we'd love to hear from you on there as well. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.